0: Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour, episode 139 Adventure Game Engine. Hey, before we start this week's tour, I have to make a correction from last week's episode. Well, not so much a correction, but something that was pointed out to me. Yes, I know. Suicide Squad is not a superhero group. Sue me. This week we cover a game system we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I got into our discussion of Green Ronin's True 20 game system and it's their adventure game engine. If you'll remember back to that episode, this new system came up in our discussion of the game Blue Rose. It's funny how I come up with subject matter sometimes. But before I just jump head first into the subject matter, you know the drill, let me get the tour bus cranked up and get rolling along. The Adventure Game Engine was originally created to be used for Green Ronin's adaptation of the very popular Dragon Age video game into a role playing game. Since I mentioned it here, I'll do a quick cover of it later in the show, but that came out in 2010 and that's when AGE made its first appearance. So what is AGE and who's responsible for it? Second question first, Green Ronin credits their entire development team with the creation of AGE, so we can't give credit to any single developer. Sorry about that. The first question is what these deep dives are all about, so let's get into it. There are core mechanics of AGE that are the same regardless of the game you're playing. When rolls need to be made, they're 3D6. Now, one of those three needs to be distinctly different, and the various games that use the AGE system call this die the Stunt, Drama, or Dragon die, accordingly. That means you'll want this die to be a different color unless you just happen to be playing a game in the AGE system that just happens to have its own die set the Green Ronin produces and sells, in which case they've got you covered. (laughs) Naturally. There are bonuses that get added and penalties that get subtracted. One bonus, rarely a penalty, will be your character's ability score. Another will be your character's focus, which is usually plus two. You will always compare the rolled result with the added bonuses to the target number. If your roll is equal to or greater than, it's a success. Now, if you don't succeed, that doesn't mean you're done. You can try something else. If you've got a success and you have doubles, you might generate stunt points, which can be spent on stunts, which are cool things you can do later on. And regardless of whether or not you had doubles, so long as you succeed, that special die shows how great your success really was. Tell you what, let's put this in practice. Let's just say my rogue just got caught trying to steal the crown jewels from their locked hidey hole at the top of the castle. Since he needs to get the hell out of there post haste, he needs to haul ass back to the rope he left tied to the top of the castle wall on the other end of the wall from where he is. The game master will ask me to make a target number 15, strength climbing test to shimmy my fat ass down that rope. So I need to roll my 3d6 and add my strength score. Let's say my strength is a three, which isn't unreasonable for a new character. That means I'd be adding a plus three. I'd also be adding a plus two for my climbing focus. So that's the result of my die roll plus my ability plus my focus compared to the target number, which in this case is 15. Greater than or equal to and I succeed. Less than that and I fail. So let's say I rolled an 11. 11 plus 3 plus 2 equals 16. 16 is greater than 15. Yay, I succeeded. Now if by chance I had some doubles here, I'm going to pick up some stunt points. I didn't, obviously, so we're not going to sweat it. Also, the special die will tell me how good my success was. I mean, I succeeded, so no matter what the special die did, I can't have not succeeded. And since I rolled an 11 and didn't have doubles, we know that die couldn't have been a 1. So while that slide could have looked bowling shoe ugly, we, we did okay. Okay, so I keep mentioning stunts. What the hell are stunts, anyway? That's one of the distinctive features of AGE. I mentioned earlier that there are bonus benefits and special moves that you can take by spending that special resource known as stunt points. And I realize I've mentioned the rolling doubles thing to get them a couple of different times, but I keep forgetting to mention that when you do that, you get the number of stunt points equal to the number on your stunt die. So even if you roll double ones on your other dice, if the stunt die is a six, you get six stunt points. Cool, right? Now remember, to gain those stunt points, you do have to be successful on that action you're taking, so that example I gave before isn't exactly accurate. So what are the kinds of stuns you can do? Well, they're specific to the games you play, but I've got a couple of examples I picked up off the Green Ronin website, and they're things like knock prone. In a case like this, you literally knock your opponent prone, and anyone making a melee attack against them gets plus one bonus on the attack roll. Mighty Blow, you add plus 1d6 damage on your attack. Rapid Reload, you immediately reload a missile weapon. Seize the Initiative, you move to the top of the initiative order. Now obviously these each have their own stunt point value, and the chances are the cooler the stunt, the higher the stunt point cost, and for the record, Seize the Initiative is the highest point total of the ones I mentioned, costing 4 points to use. And as I mentioned, each game has its own specialized list of stunts to use in the game. Alright, so we talked about the game a bit. Let's talk about characters. Now, of course, each game is going to have its own special characteristics and quirks, but the basics are going to hold consistent across all of them. The abilities are going to remain the same. For the most part, there are going to be nine abilities. Dragon Age is the exception. It only has six. These are built by either spending points or by rolling 3d6 and comparing the total to a special chart. Starting ratings range between minus two and four with a five being not only rare but exceptional. That's why I mentioned the three I had earlier being really good. So you can't think of rolling 3d6 like you would in D&D. This isn't roll 3d6 and add them together. It's merely the total you use to get the number you compare to the chart and GMs are encouraged to not use the 4D6 drop the lowest method that a lot of GMs, like myself, use for D&D, as Green Ronin notes that the chart is built to make characters more heroic anyway. The character creation process does include choosing a background, but it's got an optional process to it, and that's to choose an ancestry, a profession, and what they call a drive which is to describe how and why you get into trouble with adventures and maybe some of your exceptional deeds. This part of the process tends to be more fluid as it tends to shift from game to game. Now, I mentioned ability focus back when I mentioned the task resolution role. Ability focus, which is typically just referred to as a focus, is the term in-game that refers to training and competence in something that's considered to be something more narrow than just one of your abilities. Think of it like a skill in D&D and some other game systems. Each ability has one or more foci associated with it. A focus provides a plus two bonus to your role in the area it covers. And you gain focuses from your background and related factors from advancing in level and occasionally from a character class. Alright, let's talk talents. And no, I don't mean baton twirling or Tibetan throat singing or shit like that. You do gain talents, and they enhance your competence in certain areas. In Fantasy AGE, there's a talent called Scouting that allows you to re-roll tests using Dexterity and the Stealth Focus. Each talent has three degrees that give you further benefits within the fields, so make sure you check them out. And in some AGE games, magic and psychic power can be taken as talents. That's weird, but cool. Class time! Some of the games using AGE use very few classes. Fantasy AGE only has four. Warrior, Rogue, Mage, and Envoy. These give the advantage of increased abilities, more focuses and talents, a few special class abilities, and they do it both immediately and as you advance. But... Both the Expanse role-playing game and modern AGE are classless. That means you gain traits based on the character's background and related elements, and you use simple rules to select ability increases, new focuses, and new and improved talents as experience is gained. Oh, but wait. There's another method some AGE games use. Levels. In AGE, that just provides a bit more structure to character progression, without having to track points and other smaller measures like you have to do under the other methods. It doesn't necessarily make the characters more powerful, though. For those who choose this method, levels cap at level 20. Here's a few more character things that tend to be the same across the games. All AGE games use a defense score, and that equals the total number of tests needed to attack the character. Some use a health score, which goes down with damage, while some use a fortune score, which can be spent to prevent injury. Sure, that's not exactly the same, but it's similar enough. There's also armor and magical power in the games, and while there will be subtle differences, because, well, there are fantasy and modern systems using AGE, they're similar enough that if you understand one system, the tweaks don't change the core mechanics. Green Ronin has created multiple game systems based on the AGE system. Cyberpunk Slice brings that vibe that so many of us have enjoyed in a variety of different systems over the years. Modern AGE gives gamers the opportunity to role play in the modern world with all of the issues we see today. Can we change the world or do we see an alternate history in a modern setting? Hey, that's all up to you. I've mentioned Fantasy AGE multiple times already today, so I think we'll move on. The Expanse is AGE's sci-fi setting, so if you're looking for your outer space game, this would be it. And of course, I mentioned last week that Blue Rose was built on this system as well, and Dragon Age was the game that the engine was created for. Green Ronin has also cranked out a ton of supplements for all of these games, as well as customized dice for pretty much all of them. You might be able to find at least some of these in your local game shop, so drop in and check it out if you're interested. If they don't have them, see if they can order them, and if they can't, I can assure you the Green Ronin Online Store does have them. That's greenroninstore.com. Let me spell it, G-R-E-E-N-R-O-N-I-N-S-T-O-R-E.com. I've mentioned the Dragon Age role-playing game a couple of times already in the show today, and... Since I've got more than enough time to discuss it, let's take a minute or two to fill you in on the details. Based on the video game series developed by BioWare and using the setting from that same game, it was designed by Chris Pramis and released on January 25th, 2010. Pramis decided to not get too fancy with the game, especially since it was the initial release on the AGE game engine. He chose to go with the basic class and level design that the majority of gamers were used to, with Green Ronin choosing to hold off on more of the radical choices for AGE for later releases in the line. The initial release of the game was a boxed set with a player's guide, GM's guide, a map of Feraldin, three dice, and was built to get characters from level one through five. Two more boxes were released. The second got characters from level six through 10, while the third covered levels 11 through 20. The boxes were finally compiled into a hardcover release that dropped in May of 2015. On April 9th, 2019, Faces of Thedas was released and had a wealth of supporting materials, much of which was stuff that couldn't be crammed into the initial releases. The majority of that was materials that was ported directly from the video games, including companions and NPCs. And as I noted in my previous conversation on DICE, the special die in Dragon Age is called the Dragon Die. The Dragon Age Core Rulebook was awarded the gold winner for Best Game and Best Art Interior for the 2016 NE Tabletop RPG Awards. Let's get a review in. On May 6th, 2015, Marshall Lemon reviewed the game for The Escapist and wrote, Green Ronin's Dragon Age isn't just a fantastic RPG adaptation, it's an excellent game, period. It doesn't matter if you're a veteran tabletop player, a Bioware fan, or a complete newcomer to gaming. Dragon Age is a wonderful tabletop RPG that absolutely deserves your attention, end quote. You know what? We've got the time. Let's do one more. Lemon did another review on February 25th, 2019. This one was for Faces of Thetis, and he did it for VG247. He noted that while it's not an essential buy, he did call it, quote, an opportunity to interact with fan-favorite characters, and the relationship rules can encourage roleplay opportunities for new players," end quote. So it sounds like regardless of what you might think of the AGE system or the Dragon Age video game, the Dragon Age role-playing game might be worth the pickup, especially if you've got kids who are video gamers that you're trying to bring to the game table. It's just a thought. And with that, we've come to the end of today's tour, and that brings me to an apology. I realize that for the second time in three weeks, I'm coming in short. And I'm coming in like criminally short this week. This time, it really doesn't have anything to do with my voice or with me being ill. It actually comes down to piss poor planning on my part. See, this season's campaign build along is becoming a real beast to try to build. And in anticipation of that, I'm making sure I've got about a month's worth of topics set up, mostly researched in advance, so that all I really have to do is write the scripts and record them. And so far, it really hasn't been much of an issue. Until this week's episode. The original plan for this week was to cover the game 1879 from FASA. It's a hell of a game. And one I've been dying to do for about two years. I had a copy of the quick start rules and figured I could just knock it out and it'd be easy. But as I went to write it up, I realized it'd be a bullshit episode if I just used that to build the episode off of. So I shelled out 10 bucks and got a PDF of the full rules. Figuring I could just soldier through and hammer out the script in about 8 hours or so until I... Uh, saw the size of the book that thing's about 500 pages long so I had to make the call just before I went to record last week's episode to pull 1879 off the board and I'm gonna have to hold that off for a bit so that means I either had to pull all of the other episodes up a week which I probably really should have done or I had to hurry up and stuff something into this week's spot so here's where my own arrogance bit me in the ass I had a second topic paired up to go with AGE but just as this happens from time to time, the research I thought I had for that second topic turned out to just be complete bullshit. Cause see, here's what happens. I write my scripts up a couple of days before I record, and then I go back over and I check all my research one more time to make sure everything's legit before I record it. So it's when I did that that I found out that a couple of my sources that I usually trust Yeah, it turned out that um, the sources were not uh, as reliable as I thought they were. So here I am right up on the deadline. I've got to record. I've got bullshit source material. So I I had to drop that topic. My choice was then to either drop everything and have no show or go short. So I went short. That's on me. I apologize. And so now I've started 2024 going short two out of three episodes. I'm having a hell of a year so far. I I, I got nothing. But I'm going to make up for it next week because next week I've got Top Secret and Krasimov's World. And if you don't know what Krasimov's World is, don't feel bad. Neither did I. I stumbled on it when I was doing some deep diving into another topic I was researching. This is going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to doing this. So that's going to be next week. In the meantime, check out Bad GM's campaign build along. You can find out what the hell's been going on taking so much time that that it's screwing this show up. If this doesn't kill me, if this build doesn't kill me, it's going to turn out to be one of the best campaigns I've ever built in my life. Hopefully. Bad GM's campaign build along is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. The theme music we use for role-playing history is Beyond New Horizons. It's from Gioli Fazzari and it is available from pixabay.com. Role-playing history is a production of Bad GM Productions. We are all over social media, so check out the info box for this episode or the website to see where you can follow us. Make sure you do so to see what we're up to, or you can let us know what you'd like to see us cover in the future on this show. Next week, we check out Top Secret and Krasimov's World. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis in your Role Playing History.